Hey folks, it's Dr. Sam, and I'd like to welcome you to another Eye Clarity Podcast. We are at Podcast 100. I can't believe it. Uh, and I'm really thrilled that, um, you know, we put together all these shows. If you want to see the video part of this podcast, I would recommend either going on my Facebook page, YouTube, Instagram, TV, because I'm taking people along the Santa Fe rail yard and showing them all the great sites while we're uh, talking today and while I'm answering a few questions as part of a celebration for Podcast 100. But since you're not able to watch the visual, visual, I'm going to move to my questions. We actually have three of them today, really good ones. The first one is about a condition called nystagmus. And a patient is writing and says it's a new patient. Uh, how does the diagnosis nystagmus affect my eyes? Well, nystagmus is an uncontrollable uncont- eye movement that can either be side to side, up and down, uh, can be circular, as they call it, rotary. And the movements can be either slow or fast. They're very irregular. Uh, Sometimes people will tilt or turn their head as a way to compensate. And there are two main types of nystagmus. One is called congenital. And this is uh, where a person will develop uh, nystagmus anywhere between six months of age and three years. So it happens in infants and toddlers. Um, Usually uh, this is a condition that um, can be genetic. It also can relate to a condition called albinism, which is a a lack of color or pigmentation in the skin. It can also be connected to things like secondary cataracts. Uh, So um, this is a, a kind of a kind of shaking, and I, I've seen this condition quite a bit at a place I work called Kid Power. Kid Power is, oh my goodness, it's an amazing place. It's in Albuquerque, and Carla K. Williams started this center. Uh, it includes occupational therapists, physical therapists, nutritionists, uh, body workers, and of course I go there and consult. So these are kids that are spectrum disorders. And Carla has developed cutting-edge ways uh, using sensory motor integration and much more. And so I see a lot of these kids with nystagmus. And, um, you know, there's some, I'll talk about treatment modalities in a, in a few minutes. <clears throat> so that's the first type of nystagmus. The second type is called acquired nystagmus. And this, of course, occurs in later life. Um, it can be related to drug or alcohol use. Uh, there can be a family history, and albinism can be part of the cause. Uh, it can include things like strabismus, eye turning in or turning out, cataracts, Meniere's disease. Now, I've talked a bit about Meniere's disease and inner air issues, vestibular problems. Um, that can be a contributing factor to this oscillation of the eye movements. MS, stroke, head injury using certain medications like lithium or anti-seizure medications. And um, some of the symptoms include just blurred vision, disorientation, problems with balance, problems with focus. I mean, it's very disorienting. Um, Now, 
in terms of um, treatment, I think that the physical eye therapy exercises work really well at teaching a person how, how to self-regulate the eye movements. Now, I know the allopathic folks are saying, well, you can't do that. But I've seen in my practice by offering things like color therapy, vision therapy, uh, craniosacral work, uh, continuum movement. These are all modalities that help a person connect more deeply to their autonomic nervous system, their fluid body, their uh, muscular skeletal system, their stress response. And if you can learn a deeper self-regulation capability, you do have the opportunity to slow down and regulate the nystagmus some of the time. It's a case history. About six months ago, a gentleman came to see me in his 40s. He was a high myope. He uh, was diagnosed with nystagmus. And I started working with him. Physical vision therapy, reduced his myopia, put him in contact lenses. Um, we did some cranial work and, and also showed him some continuum movement dives that involved using sound. Uh, breathing sequences and different uh, spiral movements and he began to be able to slow the nystagmus down one day he came to the office he was he was a motorcycle guy so he was riding his motorcycle on this two-lane road to my office called bishop's lodge road it's a lot of very old uh, growth deciduous trees. There's a big creek that runs nearby. So unlike the desert, which is wide open, there's a lot of trees on this lining this two-lane road. Gets to the office and he says, Dr. Byrne, I think it's the first time I've ever seen depth perception. I actually could see the trees jumping out at me. Uh, a lot of uh, depth, a lot of green. I said, you know, you're on your way. You're on your way. I also supported him with some really good nutrients, uh, trace minerals like magnesium, selenium, chromium, um, zinc. And then of course we did a lot of the, the, you know, the regular antioxidants that, that I recommend and changed his diet, supported his liver. We did some vestibular connections to his vision. So overall was a success story. And I, I would say, yes, nystagmus is a tough condition, but there are things that you can do to reduce some of the effects of it. So I want to thank you very much for the question. All right, let's move to question two. This is a lady who's asking about green tea extract and why I um, put it in my eye vitamin. Very simple. You know, there was a study that was done uh, by the Chinese University in Hong Kong. This was a 2010 study. And... um, these researchers were studying the effects of green tea on the eyes, and they found that there are certain antioxidants in the green tea called catechins. And these catechins um, actually absorb into the lens, the retina, and other eye tissues, and protect the eyes against various eye diseases. These catechins are scavengers, so they're, they're eating up the oxidative stress that damage uh, a lot of these... Uh, Uh, sensitive uh, eye tissue um, areas such as the macula, the lens, the cornea. And they just, um, they're very protective. In another study that was done um, 
in Korea, this is a 2007 study, antioxidants were found in green tea can actually protect against ultraviolet light damage. And uh, the cultured human retinal pigment cells were were uh, studied and there was uh, a an improvement by uh, taking the green tea extract. In some other studies that were done, um, green tea has been shown to be an indicator in supporting lens health, so it may help in uh, preventing cataracts. And it also, uh, in another study, this was an Oxford University study done in 2006, the results suggested that green tea may protect the eyes against uh, oxidative stress, especially in the macular area. So it's one of the reasons why I put green tea tree uh, green tea extract in my um, formula. I do think that it offers some really supportive, protective uh, aspects, especially against free radical damage, which is one of the number. It's probably the number one reason why we develop eye disease, that and inflammation. So um, I'm very bullish on it. And um, there you go. So I'm going to thank you so much for the question. All right. Question three is from a gentleman who is scheduled for cataract surgery. And in the cataract surgery, he, um, he, um, he's getting ready. Uh, he's scheduled. Uh, he's done a lot of my, you know, I program and, uh, he's kind of held the, the development back, but he feels that he wants to get the cataract surgery because he wants to drive at night again. So what, uh, what can he do on the preparation side and what can he do afterwards? These were some of the, his, his uh, questions. Well, first of all, I think it's important that, you know, you continue with the eye exercises. Those help improve eye lymph, eye circulation. I would do the MSM eye drops four to six times a day. Again, boost those antioxidants, anti-inflammatory diet, fats and oils, no caffeine, sugar, or alcohol. Um, good fats and oils so that you're really preparing yourself and of course I'm sure you've had the conversation with the surgeon you want to have the the eye that they're putting in the intraocular lens match the distance of the other eye so that you're you're matching up the distance so you're not in monovision you're not doing bifocal contacts uh, or astigmatism contacts you want both eyes for distance and you'll just use reading glasses for up close. Okay. Now, after the surgery, uh, rest is a big thing. So 24 to 48 hours, no screen time, just chill out. Um, again, make sure you're, you know, getting your, your fats and oils and your antioxidants. Um, some ones that I really like in terms of, you know, after the surgery would be things like the flavonoids and the carotenoids. Also, um, you know, things like vitamin C, uh, the tocotrienols, the vitamin E. Uh, these are all great for, you know, healing the eyes. And of course, once you get the, the go-ahead from your doctor that everything is clear, the MSM eye drops, the eye bright tea at night, the castor oil, 
are all fabulous for supporting any um, any eye you know insult like surgery um, I would continue with the the cataract program for your eye exercises and this one is most important and it has to do with the blue light because the intraocular lens probably is not going to have the blue blocking filter so you want to use the uh, blue blocking filters for all of your screen time that's really really important also you know doing your carotenoids lutein zeaxanthin and astaxanthin so best of luck with the surgery i know it's going to go well I, we've been following uh, each other for a while and i've definitely helped in a lot of ways and uh, you know one of the things about any surgery doing some kind of physical therapy after just makes a lot of sense so everybody i think that's the show that's a wrap i want to thank you so much for tuning in again it's always a pleasure having you and um, we'll see you next week with podcast 101 and until then take good care you're listening to a podcast with dr sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsamburn.com. The Burn Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Burn for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Burns' information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.